electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Pay America. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Let me ask you a question. What kind of market shrugs off a massive piece of potentially highly inflationary legislation that is definitively bad news for stocks, while at the same time ignoring, say, a disastrous Tyson Foods quarter and a hideous pre-announcement from NVIDIA? <laughs> Yet somehow, after all that, we had a pretty sedate day. Dow actually inched up 29 points. as and shed 0.12%, and the Nasdaq dipped only 0.10%. Congratulations, day! Either the market's lost its mind, or it's so bullish, I almost can't get my head around it. And I've been around for a long time. So why don't we do this? Let's take it apart a little. Let's unpack it, as they say on Wall Street, whatever that means. It's like a luggage company. Let's start with the Inflation Reduction Act. Sorry, Inflation Reduction Act. A little hard not to laugh, which is not going to reduce inflation. I'm actually torn here. On the one hand, I'm an environmentalist, so I'm thrilled that we're finally getting big legislation that can curb global warming. As a human who has to live on the planet, good news. On the other hand, my job is to help try you to make money in the stock market. And from that perspective, this bill is actually extremely unhelpful. For instance, if you own a drug stock, it's bad news because it allows Medicare to negotiate down some drug prices. Again, that is great from a human perspective. People thought that when I was talking about this today that I wasn't human. But you know what? You don't care about my humanity as much as I'd like you to. You care about my perspective. And from Ernie's perspective, it's bad. Although, oddly, Bristol-Myers, a company that could be hurt the most, rallied big today. Oh, that's just another example of this market's counterintuitive insanity. There are buyback taxes, too. And you might think that's a good thing. But a tax on buybacks is absolutely negative news for stock prices because it opens the door for higher taxes. Now, I get that there are a lot of reasons why you might support this bill as a voter. But as an investor, I'm sorry, it is suboptimal. I've gotten a lot of pushback these last 48 hours from people who say, you just don't understand. Well, what's there to understand? It's bad for capital and good for the environment. There's nothing wrong with that. But we can't pretend it's not true. 
Now, long term, sure, we'll be all better off by stopping climate change. And that is a genuine existential risk. Oh, yes, Larry Fink, he runs BlackRock, the biggest asset aggregator. But short term, the Inflation Reduction Act is throwing a ton of money at an already overheated economy. And that means the Fed will most likely have to hit the brakes even harder, which, again, what you want is my interpretation of that. If I were Chairman Jay Powell and I saw the strong employment number on Friday and then the surprising bill this weekend, I'd be hard-pressed not to call a special Fed meeting this month to hit us with another 75 basis point rate hike. This bill and the semiconductor bill, which contain another $200 billion worth of non-semiconductor spending, will cause major wage inflation because we simply don't have enough engineers and computer scientists, hey, for that matter, accounts for the IRS in this country. And that's what's called for. And wage inflation, not commodity inflation, is at this point the inflation that the Fed's most worried about because it's so darn sticky. My one hope is it takes years for the spending to hit, which is a real possibility as, of course, our government is, alas, dysfunctional. Okay, enough with the soapbox. I'm over with that. I am out of the closet, liking the bill for the planet, long-term good for stocks, but against the Orwellian rebranding as the Inflation Reduction Act, did you not find that? Come on, come on. I mean, really, it's the government. I mean, I want you to make money in the market. I don't want you to lose money in it, so I've just told you how I feel. And with that in mind, let's go over to our game plan. Okay, so tomorrow we hear from Emerson Electric. And this is an industrial company that just got a little better today by selling its cyclical insincorator business to Whirlpool. Insincorator makes garbage disposals. I love mine. Don't put your hands in it for homes. And Emerson doesn't need home exposure, even as Whirlpool's always all in on housing. Uh, both stocks got hit, but I think it, it pretends a stronger Emerson down the road. Let's hear what they say about it near term. But I am on the lookout to put this name in my charitable trust portfolio. Now, Ralph Lauren reports, too, and apparel's been a disaster lately. Can RL buck the trend? High-end operation. But right now, apparel's in such a glut that it could spill over to every channel, even the high-end. That's how bad it is. After the close, we have a huge winner from the Inflation Reduction Act. That's a company called Plug Power. We've had them on many times because the bill supports cheaper hydrogen. And that's what Plug Power needs to be more than just a niche fuel cell producer. It was very important for Plug. That said, Plug has not done well on earnings day. So you need to be able to think about that before you pull the trigger. We also hear from Unity, letter U, a software company that helps video game developers. And we know from NVIDIA's pre-announcement today, more on that later, that gaming is weak. So this beaten down stock might get hit even harder. And by the way, take two after the close is very weak. So we don't want to be in letter U. Now, the one sector of tech that's proven pretty much immune to swings in the broader economy is cybersecurity which means we should get good numbers from CyberArk when it reports Wednesday. We have Cloudflare later in the show. They're going to tell a good story. Now, this, these guys, CyberArk, their security focuses on the so-called privileged accounts, which is the top level in each company, and it's often considered best in show. We also get results from Wendy's. Now, of course, I used to talk about my wife and a particular kind of sandwich they make. I'm out of that game. I'm concerned that most of the quick-serve restaurant chains can't hold their gains because of inflation woes. I want you to be careful as much as I think it's great and my wife loves. Wednesday morning, we also get the incredibly important consumer price index. I expect it to be red hot, offering more ammo to the Fed for aggressive rate hikes. Will they wait until September because there is no August meeting? Depends on how hot this number is, uh, along with the producer price index on Thursday. I actually think the latter number will be cooler, but it may not matter because the Fed's really concerned about wage inflation and the CPI is what fuels that. I even want to put in front of you that if both numbers are scorchers. We will get a surprise August meeting. Although it won't be a surprise because I just told you. And a big rate hike. Why wait if I were the Fed? I wouldn't wait. Now, here's one 
that I'm itching to be good, but that may not be enough. It's the Walt Disney Company. This stock has been bouncing around like after a hideous Space Mountain-like ride down without the up. It shocks me that this thing now trades like a streaming stock, meaning a stock that only seems to go down like Netflix. Incredible, because before that, it traded on ESPN subscriptions, which were also down. I, I don't get it. Why is Disney always being pigeonholed in some sort of subscription company? Here's a company with amazing brands, huge theme park revenues, and the best library of any entertainment company in the world, yet it languages. Disney needs a better balance sheet for certain, but cash can and will build. We own it for the Travel Trust, which you can follow by joining the CBC Investing Club. It's just too hated for me to believe it can stay down. Let's see what they say after the close on Wednesday, but I bet we will like what we hear. Hey, can Dutch bros, yeah, the legendary bros, can they recover from its terrible miss last time? Its stock sure has. I think it's a beloved brand. But that can only get you so far. I'm rooting for them because I love going there with my daughter when she lived in Oregon. And we used to get a couple of annihilators. All right, not a great reason to buy the stock, though. Uh, we'll see if Wednesday's earnings can change the narrative. Meantime, the stock bounced back terrifically. Oh, boy, talk about bounce back. This is what they need at Warby Parker. The airport, this maker of glasses, has just been hammered, like so many other IPOs from the class of 2021. But I wonder if it won't go higher, given that so many of its compadres have finally started turning around. By the way, I'm talking about the stock, not the company. Like so many others, Warby Parker's stock took off because it had a great brand when it came public. Then when we saw the results, people dumped it like there's no tomorrow. Now tomorrow's here. And I bet, like other recent IPOs, it's going to move up on the quarter because there's a gigantic short squeeze going on in a lot of the Russell 2000 stocks. Uh, so, so many new issues have had this trajectory, which is I can't really write on this. It's not a not what we call telestrator in the business, but I'm just going to do the dramatization. Like when my kids were five, it goes like that, and then it goes like that. How's that? Now, we also have toast. Now, the restaurant point of sale technology, it's amazing to me how so many of these small companies are now seeing their stocks go higher, even as nothing good is happening. Maybe they never should have gone down so much to begin with. You know what? Even the same thing can be said about, about Rivian. The electric vehicle maker with a stock that's been rebounding like crazy, too. This one will benefit from the Inflation Reduction Act because there are huge vehicle subsidies, sub, electric vehicle subsidies in it. Now, I do prefer t- uh, Tesla. We're going to be talking to Oshkosh later. They've got, they're, benefit, they're benefiting, too, but there does not have the earnings profile that a Tesla has. Finally, on Friday, we have the University of Michigan Sentiment Indicator. Now, I typically don't put this Consumer Sentiment Indicator in this, but you know what? Sentiment's been so abysmal of late that it's affecting the market. And I have to know, when will people start feeling better about things? I care because almost everyone who comes on air has a world-weary tone, and I think it accurately reflects the bizarre nature of an economy with the lowest unemployment and the highest inflation in decades. So here's the bottom line. Don't forget, despite all these earnings, the Fed is still in charge of this market. A week ago, it looked like they might ease up. But after Friday's red-hot jobs number and the passage of the IRA, I'm worried they might lower the boom on us even before September comes. Let's take calls. Let's go to Mark in Florida. Mark. Hi there, Jim. Uh, It's great to speak with you. Oh, same, Uh, Mark. Thank you. I enjoyed the monthly meeting very much last week. Oh, thank you. It's been a tough time. We're staying together. All right. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad. And that call is still available. And it was fun. How can I help? Uh, My question is about Lockheed Martin. There have been a few ratings downgrades and some insider selling, but Finland and Norway are buying their helicopters, and their missiles are being sent to the Ukraine and used for the Space Force. Uh, is this a buy, sell, or hold at this level? I am with you 
I think it's a buy. They have the best. James Takelet is the CEO. We've liked him before at, at, at AMT, right, at American Tower. And we like him at Lockheed. He is bankable. I say, buy, buy, buy. All right, the Fed is still in charge of this market. And we thought it looked like they might ease up. But after Friday's red-hot jobs number and the passage of the IRA this weekend, well, at least as far as getting into the house, I'm worried they might lower the boom on us. And maybe before a September meeting. Oh, one man tonight. From fire trucks to tactical vehicles, Oshkosh is behind some of the world's most complex vehicles. I'm sitting down with the company CEO and getting a first-hand look at some of the amazing innovation. You're going to love it. Then there are a handful of stocks that worked in the midst of COVID and still have staying power. But there are not that many of them. I'll reveal which names you should continue to watch. And on Friday, Cloudflare reported just a barber. One of the best numbers I've seen. And it had its best day since being listed on the New York Stock Exchange, where we are right now. I'm checking in with the company's top brass to learn more about what went right this quarter. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. What do we do with the stock of Oshkosh? A company makes all sorts of equipment, vehicles for construction, defense, and municipalities, including this big, beautiful electric fire engine behind us. Typically, you don't want to own machinery when the Federal Reserve is aggressively raising interest rates. For example, when Oshkosh reported late last month, well, they did miss badly and the stock got hurt. But the stock is stabilized here and their electric vehicle exposure just got a lot more enticing thanks to the passage of the big climate bill this weekend. So let's take a closer look with John Pfeiffer, the president and CEO of Oshkosh Corporation, to get a better read on where his company's headed. Mr. Pfeiffer, welcome back to Mad Money. John, it's been both a rough period for earnings, but not a rough period for orders. And I think a lot of that is because you represent the best of what the people want in this country. Electric vehicles, safety. Tell us about the, let's say, the um, transition of Oshkosh to this world where you're number one. Sure. Yeah, well, we, you know, we have a record backlog. Our order rates are really strong. In fact, our order rates would be stronger. We're actually holding back the orders because we're getting into 23 and 24 with the order rates. Uh, so the business is strong. 
Uh, like everybody, we're having some supply chain disruption that's hurting our ability to produce as fast as we want, and it's creating manufacturing inefficiencies. We got a lot of initiatives to combat that. We will get through it, and our pricing will catch up with inflation, and that'll continue to manifest itself in the near term. But our technological investments, that's what's driving the company. It's driving the backlog. It's driving our business to grow significantly over the next several years as customers want to adopt new technology, new advancements, helps productivity, helps sustainability, helps the total cost of ownership. It just helps in so many ways, and we're at the forefront of that technological innovation. Now, the bill that is uh, going to reconciliation, yeah. in, they call it inflation. Let's just yeah. call it climate control, yeah. whatever, right. you want whatever you want to call but it. But everybody seems to be going this way, and this yeah. electric vehicle is going to be the vehicle of choice for what you call aged fleets yes. of safety vehicles. We can't yeah. have these yeah. get old, yeah. correct? Yeah, that's correct. The, Fire trucks in America today, it's, a, it's an aged fleet. When you look at the average age of the fleet, the market's continuing to rise. It's a great opportunity for us to introduce new technology. This is an electric fire truck. It's headed to Portland, Oregon, Portland Fire and Rescue. They cannot wait to get their hands on this vehicle, and, and it's going to uh, help them continue to modernize their fleet with technology uh, which is fantastic for everybody in our community. And uh, the, we've got the Postal Service also yeah. very much involved with a gigantic yeah. Right, right. Yeah, the Postal Fleet will electrify that over the next 10 years. Uh, they put about $3 billion to assist the Postal Service into that bill you just referenced. That helps them buy more electric vehicles faster. Everybody wants more electric vehicles faster. We're ready to deliver them. We go into production with the Postal Service uh, next year, and you'll start seeing them on the streets the end of next year. Now, I don't want to get ahead of the story because we do know that you had problems with supply chain and inflation. Yeah. But I felt that when I heard that you were coming on I, and the bill happened this weekend, yeah. there are many line items that truly do benefit your company. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mentioned the $3 billion right. that they put in there specifically to help the Postal Service electrify the fleet and put the charging infrastructure in to do it. Remember, there's tens of thousands of post offices across the country. They have to have the infrastructure there to charge the fleet. So we're going to help them do that as well. Now, I admit when I was going through the defense stuff, I kept saying yeah. I was a little chagrined that our Defense Department is uh, not combined with NATO to buy unbelievable uh, unbelievable yeah. uh, military vehicles that yeah. you said Eastern European democracies yeah. want. Yeah. Is there yeah. any give? Could uh, the president call you and say, listen, we want your great American company to be making vehicles for NATO right now because we need them more than ever? Well, sure. I mean, the, we, we supply 90% plus of the tactical, tactical wheeled vehicles, that's armored vehicles, for the Department of Defense. But it's more than just the Department of Defense, it's all of our allies around the world, particularly those in Eastern Europe. They, they need vehicles more now, right. perhaps, than they thought they did a year ago, and, and unfortunately, because of the invasion of Ukraine. Um, that certainly helps uh, with regard to uh, demand for our product in Europe. Well, the President just committed another billion. Is it possible that you could be in line to give Ukraine vehicles? Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Possibility. Sure. Yeah. Well, that would be terrific. Yeah. Now, what people need to know is a lot of your materials are made, a lot of your 
vehicles are made in Appleton, Wisconsin. That's right. both good yeah. and also problematic. Are there enough people in Appleton, Wisconsin to work for Oshkosh? Well, hey, we're expanding capacity in Appleton, Wisconsin today because we want to continue to make more vehicles faster, and we see that the market's there to do it. This will we'll continue to grow this business for the four, for the several years going into the future. Uh, Appleton, Wisconsin's where we make these products. We're going to keep making them in Appleton, Wisconsin. We'll get the workforce that we need. Uh, right now, we're working on the supply chain and the ability of our great partners in the supply chain to keep pace with our desire to manufacture vehicles faster. Okay, so now, John, we got to deal direct with some research. Key yeah. bank. Troubling inability to leverage a record backlog. Are you going to be able, because you're not a guy who's either going to no. promise anything at yep. this point. Yep. Are you going to be able to deal with the expectations for 23, which you've tried to keep low, yeah. with the idea that somehow some of these, what seem to be intractable problems, can, intractable, can re- resolve themselves? Yeah, well, we love the backlog that we have. There's, there's two things in there. I think it's the persistent inflation. Right. And it's the supply chain disruption. So persistent inflation, we'll get ahead of. You really uh, the, do. You're the, really confident. The fact that we've got long lead times and we've got big backlogs means there's a delay from the time that inflation starts until we right. catch up. We, you saw it in the access equipment. Over a 600 basis point improvement at JLG last quarter. The You'll pressure. continue to see the price manifest itself as we manifest that, that higher price level quarter to quarter. The supply chain disruptions are the ones that we're really working aggressively on because that's what's holding back our ability to produce as fast as we now, want. Is to that semiconductors? Is that individual uh, things for axles? Where does it come yeah, in? Jim, I wish it was just one thing. Certainly, semiconductors has been an issue. Sometimes it's axles. Sometimes it's rubber hoses. Oh, come on. Uh, you know, it really goes across the board. And we're working with the supply chain to keep adding capacity to, to deliver us the volumes we need. Okay, so let's say I'm in, in your office with you. Would it come out and you say, wait a second, we don't have this, we don't have that. I mean, uh, honestly, is it like, hold it, the tires aren't here, that rim's not there. People say steel's going down, the price doesn't matter, yeah. all these other things yeah. are going on. Yeah, yeah some, sometimes we show up to work on mo- Monday morning at 7 a.m. for the shift, and something that was supposed to be there isn't there. Your production people are good. They're really good. Right. They shift the shift around to make what we can make. But it, sometimes it's hand to mouth. Wow. Yeah. All right. Let's leave it at that. That's Sean Pfeiffer. He is the president and CEO of Oshkosh. Thank you for bringing us here. Congratulations. Thank you, Jim. Yep. Coming up, what parts of the stay-at-home boom have room to run? Kramer looks into which winners will wilt and which are warriors. Next. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.
know what surprised me this earnings season? The last nine months have been absolutely brutal for any stock that's considered a COVID-era winner. Because you all figured they'd have no staying power now that they're no longer in pandemic mode. But after reading through countless earnings reports and conference call transcripts, some of these COVID winners look like they actually have legs. While they thrived during the pandemic, they continue to thrive this year, even as we're mostly behaving like COVID. Just an unfortunate fact. Maybe not even as bad as the flu. That's not me. Travel Trust named Humana said that when they were on air. I've noticed seven in particular, seven stocks that I say all aboard because they look really strong. Let me take them through one by one. We're going to start with an easy one for you to remember. We're going to start with Amazon. Yeah, that's because this was the most shocking, uh, most shocking of all. After pulling back from its highs in November, this one got dicey in April when management started talking about how they made a big mistake, assuming COVID era levels of demand will continue and spending way too much on infrastructure. At the time, I I felt like Amazon had leased too much warehouse space and hired too many people, putting itself in a very difficult position as the world went back to normal. But when Amazon reported its most recent quarter in late July, management sounded incredibly optimistic. Although the headline numbers look mixed, their operating income came in much higher than expected. Thanks to the strength of the usual Amazon Web Services, they'd come on the show and told you that. Their booming cloud infrastructure business and also the surprising resurgence of their North American retail business. Bye, 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 bye. The sales guidance was great, too. More importantly, management was a lot more upbeat. Amazon reduced its workforce by 100,000 people, while they're also spending a lot less to build out capacity, which means the company's about to get substantially more profitable. More importantly, they keep putting up excellent sales numbers because Amazon's become so ingrained in people's lives. Now that we can stop worrying about out-of-control costs, we can focus on what we loved about this company in the first place. They're the king of e-commerce, and they're the king of cloud infrastructure, which is why we own it so big for our travel trust. Next, we got to talk about a trio of terrific medical companies that most people don't associate with or think much about. I'm talking about Danaher, Thermo Fisher Scientific, and Perkin Elmer. These are major suppliers to what we call the life sciences industry, and they're all huge long-term winners because that doesn't stop for COVID. I've been recommending all three for ages, but they've had a rough year because all three companies did a significant amount of business during the height of the pandemic, mostly related to COVID testing. That's created some tough comparisons. Remember what they did one year and then the next year out doesn't look as good. A lot of people have been worried about how the stocks would hold up after those comparisons. Over the past few weeks, though, we've learned that Danaher, Thermo Fisher, and Perkin Elmer are much more durable than anybody thought. They each reported excellent quarters. Danaher, another charitable trust name, reported a big top and bottom line beat a few weeks ago. They also gave very robust guidance for the current quarter and the full year. The stock jumped 9% on the news, and it's continued to climb ever since. I love Danaher because they're geniuses when it comes to making acquisitions and integrating those new businesses. Some, something they did recently uh, when they bought General Electric's underpriced biopharma division doesn't hurt that 75% of Danner's business is recurring revenue. 75%. Either from consumables or service equipment. Very sticky revenue stream. I love that. Hey, then a week ago, we heard from Thurman Fisher. They turned in an extraordinary beat and raised quarter of its own, substantially boosting its full-year forecast. You know, we, we spoke to Mr. Casper from Thurman Fisher last week. They told a terrific story. However, the stock is now barely up since the quarter. I think that's crazy. I think it's a total steal here. I think you should buy Thermo. Fisher. Bye, bye, bye. 
How about Perkin Elmer? Last Tuesday, they reported a more modest revenue beat with a strong earnings beat and gave very encouraging guidance for the full year. I think it's a very compelling story. They're working on a big restructuring. You know what? We're going to hear more about that when we speak to them on Thursday. Stay tuned. Next, let me give you another surprising one. And maybe some people thought I gave him a little hard time this morning, but that's not true. I was, I was positive. DoorDash. This food delivery company came public in late 2020 and had a huge run through last November because delivery services were essential when nobody felt safe going out to dinner. But since November, the stock's been obliterated. It lost 78% of its value from the peak to its lows in June. The House of Pain. While DoorDash were battle from those levels, nobody was expecting anything great when the company reported last Thursday. But maybe we should have because DoorDash delivered a tremendous quarter, despite the widespread fear that the delivery business would fall apart as life would went back to normal. DoorDash had much higher than expected gross order value result, up 25% year over year. They actually haven't seen any changes in consumer engagement. I thought that was extraordinary. In other words, it looks like the food delivery ha- has become an ingrained habit very quickly for U.S. consumers. One that's not going away even as we decide to get on with our lives and li- live with COVID or go back to the office. While Wall Street's still worried that DoorDash could get hit in a Fed-mandated recession, it's clear that we don't have to worry about a change of habits in the post-COVID era. I interviewed founder t- uh, CEO Tony Hsu, as I mentioned this morning, on Squawk on the Street, and I think he's about to do it in Europe because he's got a big acquisition over there with what he's already done here. Congratulations, Tony Hsu. All right, how about another? Kramer fave Costco. You know how much I like Costco. Uh, this is a charitable trust name. Peaked in April, then got hit hard on worries of a recession. You can see that peak, okay? Uh, the same worries that dragged down the rest of the retail. But that turned out to be incredible buying opportunities. The stock has come roaring back. And I don't think it's done. I really don't. I think this thing could really roll. Now, it just put up some excellent numbers for last month. Some stunning figures. I think this one should never have gotten hit in the spring. This was ridiculous, frankly. Because Costco has a different business model than the other big box stores. They offer incredible bargains to club members by carrying a small selection of merchandise at extremely low prices. Because they buy it in extreme bulk. When you're worried about inflation, Costco's the best place to go. Go ask Tyson Foods for such a disaster today. Plus, their dues-paying membership base has grown nicely both before, during, and after the pandemic. Finally, this one that I have not talked about enough, and I say shame on me because these guys are incredible. I'm talking about CBS Health. The drugstore slash pharmacy benefits manager slash health insurer, thanks to its acquisition of Aetna. After spending years lost in the wilderness, struggling to find a good strategy, CVS made out like a bandit after COVID hit because their stores became a key hub for vaccine distribution. That got millions of people in the door, and they stayed. But Wall Street never stopped worrying about what would happen once that catalyst went away, and they had no replacement for the vaccine traffic. And that's why the stock pulled back from 111 in February to 88 and changed its lows in mid-June. However, last Wednesday, CVS managed to report a very, very strong quarter with 8% same-store sales growth for the retail business when Wall Street expected a small decline. More importantly, they even raised their full-year earnings forecast, hence why the stock jumped 6% in a day, climbing back to triple digits. That was easy. I'm very impressed by CVS under the leadership of its new CEO, Karen Lynch, who took over 18 months ago and is doing such a great job. I like the new CVS, especially with those minute clinics in the stores, and then the possibility of buying Signify, a home health care services company that could be a great fit. Doesn't hurt that the stock sells for just 12 times earnings, solid 2.15% yield. Bottom line, Wall Street wrote off all the COVID winners, but a handful of these companies have proven to be real staying power giants. And I think it's absolutely worth sticking with their stocks. Akil in Ohio, Akil. Hey, how are you, sir? I am doing well. How about you, Akil? I'm pretty good. Good. 
So what do you got for me? Is Starbucks a great company to invest in right now? Okay, as I said, and I want you to go join the club. As I said in last week's Investing Club meeting, I think Starbucks will be added to the bullpen, and we are on the verge of pulling the trigger. That's how well I think they are doing. You could do a lot worse at $85, I say. Bye, bye, bye. Now let's go to Mike in South Carolina. Mike. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I'd like to know uh, how you feel about J&J, specifically when it splits. Now, look, I thought J&J, you know, I saw Bristol-Myers up today. I know J&J, I feel it's going to get hurt by this legislation. No, look, J&J is a company that is breaking itself up, doing the right thing. Great AAA balance sheet, and it should be bought aggressively. That's what I think of J&J. What a balance sheet. Wall Street wrote off all the COVID winners, but a handful of these companies have proven to have real staying power. And I think it's absolutely worth sticking with their stocks. Much more made money in, including my exclusive with Cloudflare, NET. After reporting a top and bottom line beat for the second quarter, I'm learning more on what's behind the strength with this company's CEO. Then, NVIDIA pre-announced a stunning shortfall earlier today. So what does this mean for the future of the imaginative tech company that I like so much? I'm going to give you my take. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Lately, some of the Internet plays have come roaring back after spending most of the year in purgatory. Take Cloudflare, the content delivery network with a cybersecurity kicker. In other words, they help businesses ensure that their applications can operate reliably over the web. They do a lot of security work. From November through last month, the stock was just eviscerated, losing 80% of its value. That was crazy. But last Thursday, Cloudflare reported a magnificent quarter, 54% revenue growth, and a surprise profit fueled by lots of gigantic customer wins. And management also raised their full-year revenue forecast. In response, the stock justifiably surged 27% on Friday, in part because it probably should never have been so low in the first place. I would not be surprised if Cloudflare doesn't have more room to run. Do not take it from me. Let's check in with Matthew Prince, the co-founder and chairman and CEO of Cloudflare, to learn more about the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Prince, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, thanks for having me. Matthew, it's great to have you on the show. And what I'm most impressed about is you gave a great quote recently. Because we're all worried about recession. You said, whether we're in one or not, recessions suck. They hurt everyone. No company is recession-proof. But some are more recession-resilient, of which I'm completely adopt that from that one, than others. Tell us why Cloudflare is more resilient than others. You know, Cloudflare is all about making sure that whatever you're doing online is as fast, reliable, and importantly, secure as possible. And so whether we're in a recession or not, whether a recession is coming or not, I don't think people are going to give up on the Internet. They're not going to give up on the cloud. Hackers aren't going to stop hacking. And so people classify us, our customers classify us as a must-have, not a nice-to-have. And so what we're seeing is that over the first half of the year, even though the economy was was having a challenge and it was harder to sign up new customers, uh, we definitely saw the highest gross retention rates in our customers, and people are continuing to use our services like crazy. But I have to tell you, is the retention is great, but that list of customers that you've got, the variety, a state of Arizona, a gigantic retailer, a company that does recruiting. This is a great mosaic of customers. How come all these customers need Cloudflare so badly? Anyone who is doing anything online needs Cloudflare. We make the internet be the secure place it should have been 
uh, from the beginning. And what I love is the diversity of our customers, large and small, every industry you can think of, every geography you can think of, we're seeing that response across that. And that diversity of customers is really where a lot of our strength and the resilience of our own revenue and our own growth comes from. All right, so let's drill down, Matthew, because there's a moment in the call. You talk about a Fortune 500 energy company. They signed a 784,000 three-year deal. They have been using Zscaler. In order to take somebody out and put you in, that's a monumental win. What was the selling proposition of Cloudflare versus Zscale? So first of all, uh, I think that Jay's a great CEO at Zscaler, and Zscaler is a terrific company uh, that built, built really an innovative product in the space. But the challenge that they have is they're often not particularly scalable. They're not particularly fast. They generate a lot of IT support tickets. If you're using Zscaler today, you see how you slow down the internet experience. What we've been able to do is replicate all the Zscaler functionality, all that security that you have, without nearly the pain of slowing the internet experience down. And so the most innovative companies have always chosen Cloudflare, but increasingly you're seeing anyone who's trying to reduce their costs, reduce their ICP support tickets, move away from Zscaler, and move to Cloudflare. Well, I did like that uh, moment in the call where you talked about how you really only want one vendor. I mean, you got to save. You go into your seat to the CEO. The CEO says, look, you got a million different people we're spending money with. Is there one that we can use? And it keeps coming out to be Cloudflare. That's right. And, and I think that, you know, a year ago, people were just throwing money at problems. Over and over again, they'd stack vendor on top of vendor. But in these much more difficult economic times, people are trying to figure out how to save money and consolidate their vendor spend. And so what we've done is really pivot our message to talk about how we can do that for our customers. And what we're hearing time and time and time again is customers want to move more of that functionality behind Cloudflare and make us that single pane of glass for anything they're doing online. All right, so Matthew, one of the things that's happened this quarter is we're no longer happy with revenue growth. Now you've been giving us consistent north of 50 revenue growth forever, but you did give us a surprise profit. Is there something internally that you've decided, you know what, the goalposts have changed, not like what Dara Kosmosari told us last week with Uber, and we have to deliver profit no matter what. Or is it just the same old Cloudflare, you're happy with the revenue growth, we don't have to worry about the earnings? Well, I think that what we, we are really focused on is, first of all, revenue growth, absolutely. Um, but most importantly, cash flow. We want to make sure that we're generating uh, more cash. And so we've committed to be three cash flow positive for the second half of this year. We're optimizing around cash flow, but we're going to take that cash flow and continue to reinvest it back into our company. So I would expect that we will be right around break even from an earnings perspective, but generating a huge amount of cash. And I think when you have the growth rates that we do, that's the right way to run a business like the one that we have, and especially with the opportunities we have ahead of us. Now, you're, I think, justifiably correct that the internet's not gonna be stopped. We're not going back to boxes. We're not going back to brick and mortar. However, there is a notion that there has not been as much internet traffic as before. Are you seeing a slowdown in internet traffic in any way, shape, or form? You know, I think that there are a lot fewer people sitting at home streaming Netflix. Uh, and so if your business is built on dependent on getting, just charging for the bits that are flowing through your network, 
then that's been a headwind uh, for you since the pandemic because people are going back to work and they are not sitting around and sort of Netflixing and chilling quite as much. Uh, but what we're seeing is that because our business isn't built on that, we don't charge based on the flows. What that actually does is it helps our business. People are still paying us as much for the services that we're providing, but our costs actually go down. And again, I think that's why, because we are a, a, a security company first, uh, it has really been that uh, right now is almost the best time for us because we can provide that secure service, be that critical infrastructure, and actually not have as much traffic flowing through our network, which is a, which is a positive thing. Well, look, I got to tell you, Matthew, you surprised a lot of people except for us because you gave us promises that you delivered on time and again when you've been on Mad Money. I want to thank you, Matthew Prince, chair and CEO of Cloudflare. Great to see you, sir. Next time in person. <laughs> Mad Money's back here for the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy, cover the lightning round. Let's start with keeping up on your key. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of uh, course. The company I'm calling about today is called Enterprise Products. Ticker symbol. Know them well, EPD. EPD. I think it's a terrific stock. It's 7% yield. I want you to buy it. Okay, let's go to, how about Jason in New York? Jason. Booyah. Hey, Jim. Booyah, Jason. I'm looking for a place to put my last few paychecks for my summer internship, and I was wondering what you thought the city to get a buy. Uh, it's a very expensive stock, but I think it's going to stay inexpensive, and I'd much rather see you in Morgan Stanley, MS, a terrible trust name, which I have a lot more faith in. Let's go to Mark in Arizona. Mark! All right, JC, Sunrun is on the run, pun intended. Yeah, Sunrun is on the run, and I tell you, there's no stopping the dark thing. It's speculative, too speculative for me, but I've got to admit. All right, we're not done. We're going to go to Anthony in Michigan. Anthony. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am good, Anthony. How about you? Well, quite well. Thank you. After talking to you, I'm fantastic. Okay, Jim, I'm going to know uh, with the... Inflation Reduction Act, or without it, whether or not CDNS, which is Cadence Design System, a long-term buy. I think it's fabulous. It's been one of the greatest performers since the show began. It is an incredible... I've known the company when... At one point, I owned 4% of the company in the old hedge fund days. I think you got a real winner there. Hey, why don't we go to Devin in New York? Devin! Hey, Jim. How's it going? I'm doing well. How about you, Devin? I'm good. I'm good. I'm calling about... ECPG, Encore Capital Group. See, this is one of the, when I see it specially financed, it means you have no idea what they're really in, and therefore it is too dangerous going into a possible Fed mandated recession. I want to go to Eric in Delaware. Eric! Jim Kramer, thank you for what you yes. do. Oh, thank you, Eric. Thank I you very much, more, Eric. What's I, up? I talked to I talked to you last year about MP materials. I'm hanging in there with it. Uh, what's your take on MP now? And what are they well, I got to tell you, I thought they were a very big winner in this bill. And I felt good. I felt good about them because you know I think that they're one of the few SPACs that has any staying power. That was easy. Now let's go to Reese in Michigan. Reese. Hey, Jim. Love the new set, by the way. Uh, isn't it great? I love it, too. What's happening? 
Nothing much. I was wondering what your thoughts were on STEM. Yeah, we kind of, you know, that's one that I, you know, for, candidly, uh, I had felt more that we get more out of STEM than we have. Uh, and so I don't feel like, as I often said when I was at my old investment firm, I am not the call when it comes to that energy storage solution business. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, trouble in paradise? Kramer's thesis on an old favorite may be changing. You won't want to miss what's next on Mad Money. Jim, I love you, man. I've been watching you from day one. Thank you for all the wonderful advice that you provide us. I'm learning so much watching your show. Watch your program every day. I love it. Always wanted to say booyah on your show. Thank you for being the greatest in the world. We consider you the money market maker, and we thank you for all you do. I love your show. I'm a long-time fan of your show, and we think it's the most entertaining program on TV. So, NVIDIA, we thought this company was captive to nothing other than electric imagination. But today we found out that there are very real forces dragging this company down, along with so many others. Yet today, NVIDIA pre-announced a stunning shortfall thanks to weakness in gaming, high-performance computing, and maybe even cryptocurrency mining. It was devastating on pretty much every line. They blamed a slowdown in spending, uh, a supply chain woe, too much inventory. These are the things that happen to every company, not to NVIDIA. Now, I'm not backing away from my fondness for NVIDIA. And the Child Trust has a longstanding position, although we trimmed a lot much higher. But I did find the release depressing because I wanted to believe that a company as creative as this one, run by true genius Jensen Wong, would never be weighed down by something as prosaic as the economy. So maybe the best way to scrutinize the shortfall is to say that there are parts of the economy that were once red hot that aren't anymore. And anything touching them is in trouble even a best-of-breed company like NVIDIA. That's certainly the case with video games, as NVIDIA's graphic cards make them look the most lifelike. They have a platform for the Omniverse that makes it dazzling. But if fewer people are playing games, something we can also surmise from Take-Two's weaker quarter tonight, it doesn't matter how lifelike they are. And if there's no demand yet for the Metaverse or the Omniverse, then who cares? It's just too darn early. See, you can be a visioner, but the market's vision is about a mile out. That's about it. I want to believe that NVIDIA can bounce back right back. I really do. But you only pre-announce to the downside when you're sure that things are getting worse, not better. So investors, please don't get your hopes up. To step away from the emotional here, the fact is that many companies have been blindsided by two things. The end of COVID and, of course, the Fed's aggressive rate hikes, which people didn't count on a year ago. The end of COVID has freed us to go outside and connect with people in person again. Consumers want to have fun outside the house. NVIDIA's chips can make for lifelike video games. But these days, we don't want lifelike. We want life. As for the potential slowdown in high-performance computing, we know from AMD that's not the case. We know there are iterations that matter. Right now, AMD has the right iteration. NVIDIA doesn't seem to have that. In that sense, NVIDIA is just a little like Intel. 
Being it's been left behind, although I really do hesitate to use those two in the same sentence. The other side, the Fed tightening side, is more ominous. NVIDIA now risks trying to bounce back in a world where employment is too high, where the Fed wants spending curbed, and where you want your portfolio to be immune to the cyclical tug downward. And you didn't know NVIDIA had that cyclical tug. You didn't know it. You thought it was immune to it. NVIDIA lacks the horses to make an instant comeback. It just got too much consumer exposure and not enough enterprise. And what it does have in the enterprise could be curbed by the Fed. Does that mean NVIDIA is done as a stock? Hardly. But it does mean the expectations are now reset. More accurately, with the stock already down more than 40% this year, they've been resetting, and now we know why. Yep, it's a dismal comeuppance for what I still think is one of the world's best companies, except now, after all that amazing work, it will have to prove itself all over again. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.